Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for coyote hunting, fishing, and more. We're calling West Texas, and we're filming, and we called 36 coyotes in one night. Two years ago, three years ago, I had in one morning six bucks that were three and a half and older within 50 yards of my stand. Six different bucks one morning. It was in October. Went made my first coyote stand, me and my cousin. And uh, very first freaking stand, guys, we called up seven coyotes. <laughs> seven coyotes. Florida itself is a fisherman's paradise. We stick out in the middle of the water, man. There's water everywhere. Let's kick it in the overdrive. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products, and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. With today's technology, hunters in the field have more tools than ever to maximize their outdoor experiences. One of those tools is a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based HuntWise app. The HuntWise Pro app is loaded with features including property lines, landowner data, windcast, huntcast, over 250 map layers including 3D maps, a localized rut indicator, as well as discounts of 20% off various name brand products. Step up to the Elite membership and you will get all of that plus HuntCast 2.0 with customizable alerts, Whitetail 365 which gives you season dates and local rut times as well as the best time to plant your food plots, a 15 day hunt forecast and 40-50% to 50% discount on name brand products. Enter code OVERDRIVE for 20% off your membership to HuntWise. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds here and do as I said I would do on our Facebook page. Friday night we went out coyote hunting and I said, hey, whoever whoever gets the first one down is going to win a mention on the podcast. I honestly don't know who got the first one down, so I'm going to mention everybody who posted a picture. Congratulations to Mr. Dean Ashburn, Rich Fowlab, Tyler Pratt, Ray Rasmussen and Josh Adams and our very own Kevin Rott put a gray fox down. Congratulations everybody. Now let's get into this podcast. This week we talked to Mr. Ron Evink of Simply Dipped Hydrographic. Welcome back everybody to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. It is me Josh Mapes tonight alone. Kevin is not here. I think he's shooting in his bow league um, up north by him there. But tonight I am joined by a friend of mine, actually a landowner who allows me onto his property, and a guy who recently started Simply Dipped Hydrographic Company, Mr. Ron Evink. How in the world are you doing? Wow, mister. Man, I feel special. <laughs> I have to show respect when I'm, you know, in front of a million people. <laughs> well, we talked about that when you first started texting me when you were coming out to the property, didn't we? I think so. Don't call me mister. <laughs> yeah, you got about three minutes. I'm like, well, you're not going to be calling me mister. <laughs> I, you know, it's just uh, one of them things, I guess. Uh, I don't really I know it. that I heard my mom or dad or anybody ever say that. It just, that's the one way to call somebody that you 
sometimes won't get yelled at for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you call your elders that, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I call you different things through text message. Yes, you do. Yep. <laughs> oh, what what do you uh what have you been doing? You staying busy at work? Um, we're always busy at work. It's an endless flow of uh tool and die and machining plastics is is a busy field. Yeah, we're kind of both in the same situation with our jobs. I mean, I'm a I'm yep. a CNC machinist and do you use C CNC or do you do a lot of manual? No. No, we do most manual there because uh, right now I think we have about 5,000 molds in-house that we keep okay. uh, track of, and there's six of us tool makers. Um, so we have enough trouble just keeping up with regular basic maintenance things. So anything that's really complex or something, it goes out. Do you guys so, run dyes at your shop? Uh, plastic injection molds, yes. Okay, okay. So, so we're primarily a custom molder, so we just have a small in-house tool room that handles all the maintenance for those 5,000 tools. Okay. And my uncle used to work at the same company as you. We've had that conversation before. Yeah. He was an engineer or something, wasn't he? Or... I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I could not tell you. <laughs> yeah. So Ron, did you grow up deer hunting, fishing, all that stuff? Or did that kind of come later in life? No, I think it, um, my dad was a big fisherman. So that started from the time I could walk while fishing local, local ponds. And then I got into trout fishing and then I, pretty much got addicted to the streams oh, um, really? hunting was uh something that came along later probably like at 16 um one of my uncles i started going with him because my dad was not a hunter um and then it became an addiction obsession whatever you want to call it was there any reason that you know that your dad wasn't a hunter i mean he just didn't like it well he came back from vietnam okay bought a rifle went out on public land um opening morning to gun season and it just traumatized him and I actually have that gun. When he passed away, I got that gun. So, so was it effects of Vietnam? Yes. Yep. Okay. It was some like PSD stuff for that. That, that. That's not the first time I've heard that story or that that similar oh, yeah. situation. You know, a lot of guys just can't handle the gunshots after that. It's terrible. Yep. Never owned another gun. So you couldn't get them to go out to sit with you either. No. Nope. Yeah. But did you do a lot of fishing with him? I mean, oh, yeah, after yeah. He turned, turned 16 and got he did not have. It was like every spring we'd go down to Lake Erie at least two or three times walleye fishing, like every year religiously. So um, that was a huge thing. So you got addicted to the streams. I saw you recently selling, uh, I think it said fly rod, but to me right off the bat, I thought it was a yep. pool stick. <laughs> nope, not a pool stick. It's a TFO, <laughs> one of my custom uh, fly rods that I don't really need anymore. You like a lot of the fly fishing? I, I like a mixture of it. Some some of the streams require flies only. Um, so you have to get away from the spinners. Otherwise, I, I kind of like like a light duty spinning rod for trout just because, I mean, you feel them. I never knew that there was anything that limited what you could use where. Yep. The Rogue River actually has some limitations, I believe, up the river from, I believe, 12 mile. Okay. Um, that's fly only. Um, it's, is there it's a certain sections. Is there a reason for that that you know of? Not that I'm aware of. Huh. Well, I'm sure there is. Just not aware of it. I wonder if part of it's, and I don't know this. I'm wondering, maybe part of snagging because a lot of the spinners have treble hooks on them, stuff like that. I mean, that could very well be. I don't either know. that or it's more of a, a, a personal experience with a fly fisherman. They kind of. Okay probably complained and legislated to get their own areas, you know, with as off limits to other people. 
Yeah, if anybody knows the, the answer. serious fly fishermen kind of look down on spinning rods when you're in the stream. So, <laughs> Oh, and the serious bass fishermen look down on me yep. for eating smallmouth sandwiches too, but I'll do it. <laughs> yep, yep. You got to do you, man. What What's your favorite ca- uh, fish to catch? I would say um, like a brook trout or a um, uh, brown trout. So if you go out there on a given day, that's what you're targeting? That's what I'm trying for, yep. And do you, you know, often the, catch them? I, I do pretty good. And what's funny is trout and salmon are the only fish I don't like. Oh, really? Yes. Like, I'll eat walleye, perch, bluegill, all that. I, I can't. I don't like trout and salmon. Even smoked. And they're the ones I target all the time. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Even smoked? Or haven't you tried that? I mean, yeah, it's hit or miss, you know. I've had blackened salmon that was okay, but I guess I'm just too fussy with it that I try not to try it that much you know it's one of those things if i'm gonna keep something i'm gonna eat it so i got you i got you so they get they get a free pass so when you started hunting you said about 16 you had you said an uncle helping you out getting you into it right nope what how long did it take you to get your first deer um i believe i was 18 because i was an adult um behind my grandpa's house okay um came in shot it it dropped gun and i was so excited that it started wiggling so i shot it again and it wiggled some more so i shot it again what <laughs> my grandpa let into me big time about that it's like he was down that first shot there's no need <laughs> to pulverize the meat so that was with a, a rifle i assume then a uh, shotgun yeah okay yeah 12 gauge yep yeah it didn't need three Come no on. i know i learned my lesson <laughs> i can't say that i've seen a couple of them hit with a gun that could have used at least one more <laughs> yep. Every, I didn't want him to go anywhere, man. I was excited. So every right. time shot him. <laughs> so did you get right into deer hunting or did you do small game before that? No, I, I pretty much liked the deer hunting because uh my grandma had property up in Kent City and my grandpa had property between Kent City and Sparta. So, you know, land was readily available to hunt. So it was it was an easy transition for me because a lot of people in our family did not hunt. Okay, I got you. So you had a little place mm-hmm. to do it and without people there to kind of mentor you. Yeah, there was there wasn't a lot of fighting for the access. Yeah. <laughs> that's a so lot that, different that helps. <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's a lot different to know. So yeah, what, I don't have to worry about that now. Right, exactly. <laughs> at, at what point did you decide to get your own property? And when you picked it, did you pick it for the hunting? Well, yes. Um I mean, besides when, the beautiful layout. Oh, it is nice. Uh, no, it was actually my wife's grandparents bought this property back in the 60s oh, in the 80 acres originally. So Dick and Carol that lived next door in the in the farmhouse, yep. that was the original house in the 80 acres. Oh. Then, so then in 2000, they sectioned off 10 acres of that or 13 or whatever it was um, and then built the house that we're in currently in 2000. Um, so then four years ago when they wanted to go into a retirement home, they sold the property to us in the house. And so it was like, what was funny is because we just really started the date and we were getting married. Um, haven't set a date yet. And her grandpa decided that he wanted to sell it to us. I had only ever been into the kitchen and the dining room of this house. And when we talked to her grandpa, I said, we'll take it. And my wife was like, don't you want to see the rest of the house? I'm like, <laughs> no, I've seen out I, I don't back. care. I've already seen out back. I don't care what the house looks like. You can do whatever you want to a house. You can't, you know, add land or dirt. No. So, yeah. So you've been there since 2000? No. 
No, we've been here since 2019. Oh, okay. So not actually yeah. that long. No, not long at all. Did you hunt that property before that? Nope. No, because my wife and I, we actually met uh, that May, and we bought the house the following February. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we had a worldwide relationship, and then we ended up getting married early um, because my dad was passing away of cancer, so he we wanted him at the wedding, and then her grandparents were in the old folks' home, and her grandma wasn't doing good, so we kind of bumped it up and did a, a quickie wedding, and then, you know, her grandpa being a Southern Baptist, didn't want us living in his house unwed, so. <laughs> I've heard that story a couple times, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's kind of like having a, a, a almost 13 year old kid when i've been married 11 years i hear a lot about that too yep. <laughs> is what it is we all make our own choices <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah, you've, been, more things. you've been there since 2019 yep right off the bat i mean i guess how long did it take for you to start noticing predators using your property Fox, coyotes, well, anything. I started getting them on camera right away because one of the things is, is the first thing you want to do is I put out trail cameras everywhere so I can kind of get a, an inventory or an idea of what's actually on the property um, compared to what I'm seeing out in the fields at night and stuff like that. And um, I didn't notice a lot, but when you get them on camera a few times, then it, it, it becomes relevant to your situation. So, yeah. you know, just it's just like anything else. You know, I spend hours and hours on food plots and you know managing that property for deer if you, if you don't include predator control in that you i'm wasting my time so were you considering trying to take care of it yourself or were you ever considering looking for somebody to hunt it prior to a crazy redneck kid just north of you calling you and saying hey mister <laughs> well kind of actually a little bit of both because um, my wife already says that I spend way too much on my hobbies, um, <laughs> kind of going into the hydro dipping business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to, but you know, the cost of the calls and the, you know, night vision scopes and all that was, you know, kind of cost prohibitive at the time when I was Ron, trying to do we everything can else. Hook you up. We can yeah. You in the thermal well, I have you now. I don't need a hookup. <laughs> That's true. If you just need to use it, let me know. <laughs> yep. Nope. You're good. You. It's it's your predator property. <laughs> I love One it. One last thing I have to worry about. Yeah, exactly. No, and I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people where I stop now still, and I'll ask them about their property, and they'll look out back, and they'll go, we don't have any coyotes. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you think that's even a possibility if somebody's got a chunk of land? not a chance anymore you see them right in rural areas i mean there is no chance and if you don't consider that as part of your property management i mean it's i think it's like ketchup and mustard you got to have them on a hot dog so you know you, you can't <laughs> expect like i said i don't expect you to wipe them out it's yeah. just like why you hunt deer you hunt deer to have a balanced supply of deer for the property or the the, the food sources available well, yeah, those coyotes are like the garbage disposal of nature. Yep. So you do need a certain number of them. Yep. Yeah. But absolutely. If you over an abundance, it's the same thing. You're gonna you're gonna affect your deer population, and you're you're you know not doing what you want to do. Right. And you being a serious deer hunter, I mean, one dead fawn to you could have been that buck on your wall in five six. It could years. be next year's, yeah, four or five years down the road. Yeah, and that kind of stuff is important to you because when was it? I think it was Wednesday night. I came home. 
and there was a small doe in the in the backyard or field, you know, portion of the field here, and it had the back leg. It looked like I got hit by a car. Yeah. It was all mangled. And when that ran into the woods, I told my wife, I said, that's going to be yolk food. And and that's, I believe, the way nature intended it. Oh, yeah. But I don't need I don't need 50 of them out there taking out, you know, every healthy deer I have or or whatever. Yeah. So I, I understand it's a balance of nature. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what one, you're here for, maintain right, that balance. Right. And that's one thing we've heard as a group. All of us predator hunters have really heard it. You guys just want them all dead and you shoot them for fun. I'm not no. going to lie. It is fun to go out there and shoot them, but I but absolutely yeah. do not want every coyote dead. If I killed, yeah. if we com- combined killed every coyote in this state, what would I have to hunt? Yep. I mean, seriously, like it's a, it doesn't make any sense for any of us to want them completely wiped out. There's deer being eaten. No, and neither do I. Right. Right, exactly. You having a couple of them on your land is one thing, but when it's five, six yep. of them in a picture, yep. it's different. Yep, you do not, it, you know, you have to have them, like you said, they're garbage disposal, so they'll clean up the property. Um, but if you have an abundance of them, then they're doing more than just clean up your property. They're, you know, they're being a negative impact on your property is what they're doing. Right, right. Especially also if you are a small game hunter, you like getting into the rabbits, a lot of times where you notice a shortage of rabbits, it's because there's a high number of predators. And when you go around driving around and see a ton of rabbits somewhere, you know that there's probably not that many predators in the area picking them off. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of rabbits around here. We got a, a ton of tree rats, but not a lot of rabbit. And you've got red fox, coyotes, raccoons, skunk. Yeah. Oh, we saw geez. that. Don't even start on the raccoons. <laughs> the raccoons are pretty bad out there. I'm gonna. Have to... I, I told you. I said if you don't see any coyotes out there, you just pop every <laughs> yeah. raccoon you see. I'm gonna take a smaller gun with me that's not so loud and uh, doesn't cost so much per trigger pull when I come oh, out for that. I was gonna say because I I hardly ever hear you. My wife always asks me. It's like why doesn't he come to the front? And I'm like, I don't know. He can just sit on the deck. If the wind's not right, you can sit on the deck and shoot across the field. Yeah, but I don't want to like look in there and see you in the middle of the night, you know, get up not knowing I'm there. So <laughs> Rock, my come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you know, I'd probably do that on purpose, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a good thing thermal can't see through glass. <laughs> well, the first time we came out there, I think it was me and my brother Joe that came out and met you. Yep. You actually came out with us yes because i wanted to kind of experience that and get a feel for it and i i I admit it was it was amazing looking through that scope yeah that was your first time behind thermal scope and we kind of absolutely i had the scanner my brother joe he had his night vision so we were all there to 100 id anything with you being behind a gun i don't think we saw anything that night but it was only like a week later i came back no few raccoons yeah a lot of raccoons you should go out there now (laughs) wow I tell you what, I got a bunch of foot traps I put out in the summer. Yep. And it gets to a point that I stop resetting them because it's such a pain in the butt to go out there and dispatch, dispatch of them, you know, do what I do with them and then reset them. And the next day you're out there because you've got three more and it's. Yeah. Dead. And and you have crops and I know the last, well, at least last year it was corn. Yeah. This year it was corn. Yeah. Last year, whatever, 2022 summer. Yeah. And so those raccoons. We'll climb oh, they, up those stalks and just yep, destroy and bust it. them all. Yep. Right. And do you and like they do. Leave, do you like to leave any of that corn standing for the deer? No, no. 
Um, typically with the, the harvest, they, they leave enough on the ground to, you know, to help the deer out and get them fed. So, yeah. So, but either way, there's been a couple fields that I've gone to that are cornfields that the landowner specifically called me out for raccoons. And you can look down from above, like if you're standing up on a hill oh. down into this corn, and it's like uh, it's like a crop circle out there where the raccoons. Yep. It's oh, we get that here. Yeah, one person actually explained to me because I was like, the deer are just tearing this up because I got a ton of deer out here. Yep. And they were like, no, if it's if it's busted off higher up, it's the raccoons climbing up there, busting them down and getting the corn. Yeah. Um. So. Nine, I'd say 80, 90% of the damage I'm seeing is from the raccoons. I would bet so. I've watched a bunch of deer eating standing cornfields, and I've never seen one rip the stalk right over. Yeah, no, they, oh, those raccoons out here are bad. Well, we'll get after them here pretty soon. I'll, I might take the sun out there, my son out there some night, and just go pick a couple. No, you're welcome. There's a bunch of them out there. And in Michigan, as far as we have ever been told, as long as the landowner says remove them, they are doing damage. You remove them because they're doing damage. There oh, is hard, definitely no question about that. Yeah, there is hardly anybody. I mean, there's there's guys that are still avid trappers that still go after them, but since the fur market dropped so bad, oh, yeah. there's no value. So to go drive around, yeah. even like you going out back just to check them, it's like. All you're doing is just getting rid of them. They're nothing. Yeah, no, that's it. That, that, that's the sole purpose. Yeah. just to reduce their numbers because they're just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's sad that there's no use for that stuff because even me, I don't like just yep. shooting a coyote just to waste it. But if nobody does, it's going to be like the raccoon problem. Yep. <laughs> Same thing. It's like I, I don't know what to do with them. So it's like I'm feeding the coyote. It's kind of like a, you know, back back and forth. You know, I kind of feed them the raccoons, but then I want you to kill them. So <laughs> well, that's catch 22 there a little bit. Well, and there's been that conversation a couple times too on a farm, on a couple farms I hunt that, hey, you know, you got to slow down on some of these coyotes because the woodchucks are getting bad. Oh, yeah. I, not a big problem out here with those. But... Do you ever notice woodchucks when you got soybeans out back? Um, You know what? I never really paid attention. I did when we first bought the farm. Uh, I have a couple under one of the sheds out here by my pole barn. Um, of course, I popped those right away. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, have you ever but... eaten one? No. Well, I, I can't remember. I think at a church wild game dinner years ago, they had some, and I tried like that and beaver and muskrat. And when Ooh. I when I used to go target woodchucks, I ate one of them, and I thought it was just like eating cow. You just had to kind of get it tender, you know, boil it for a little yep. while or whatever. But pressure cooker now would work good for that kind of stuff. Yep. There's a whole bunch of different flavors. I'll drop you a coyote sometime at your door. Oh, you said, uh, was it you that said you wanted them? No, it wasn't you that said. Oh, no, Carol wanted another, tail. Another landowner wants me to drop them off because he wants the glands for trapping. Oh, yeah? But I'll drop one off on your doorstep some night so you can take it yeah, back. I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> so. What? Then I'll have you a wife call you. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> No, I'm going to get out there again pretty soon. Um, I actually got a couple more people around there that I need to come talk to again. Uh, one of them wants And you know what? Show them this because I will say right now, you always text me before you come out here so I know you're out here. So otherwise, I'd have no idea that you were ever out here. Yeah. So it, it you're out here at night and then like, 
um, I tell you that, you know, I don't want anybody out here during hunting season because I like to keep it calm for the deer. And I think when I tagged out this year, I texted you and said, hey, I'm tagged out. You can start coming out here coyote hunting. Yes. I'm good to go. Um, so you're very respectful. I think landowners need to understand that this is this is not going to be intrusive on them. It's just the opposite. It's it's a blessing I consider. Oh, no, I appreciate that because uh, I've said it a million times. I, Without having landowners, I don't own property. I mean, without having landowners that are willing to willing to let us out there and hunt and you know i don't charge anything i i really just go to the same spot every single time stand there and then walk right back out yeah Um, that's that's what i mean it's like i don't understand (laughs) why any landlords would have any hesitation well do you do you as a landowner have any concern i mean actually over liability Eh, no not for the most part like I said, now that I, you know, maybe at, there was a little hesitation at first. Um, but like I said, after I got to know and stuff, it's like, you know what? I got insurance. Yeah. If something happens. I mean, it's what I pay insurance for. I'm not that type of person to make your insurance rate yeah. go up anyways. I mean, my thing is there is people out there nowadays where they break into your house, slip their arm open on your glass yep. window. They're going to take you to court absolutely my thoughts, and that's that's another hesitation so yeah my thoughts are if i go out there and i'm hunting by your permission and i slip and break my leg i was the one out there yep you didn't force me out there you know you're letting well, plus me... i'll drag your drag you to the road and say you did it out there but oh, other don't than do that, that. tie me to an anchor <laughs> there's a pond out there yep. <laughs> nobody even has to know i was hurt <laughs> no i appreciate it i mean it i've talked to you a little bit about it in the recent couple weeks property is getting harder and harder to get so keeping property permission is very important to us and uh, like i said i just appreciate it and like nine o'clock at night hey ron i'm sorry it's late do you mind if i stop in call me so i called you and then you said (laughs) what was that about me that was uh oh I said I, I wanted to stop in and call, and you said call me? Question mark. So I said, Yeah, that'll just be a smart ass. <laughs> yeah, and I said I guess he wants me to call him. So I call him, and what the heck are you calling me for? Yeah. Oh. You, you haven't got that vibe yet. That you know the way we text back and forth, all our <laughs> smart aleck comments. That... I can't read sarcasm in a text. Oh well. <laughs> maybe i'll just include a middle finger next time or something that i don't know for me i'll just go <laughs> go the other way after that so you said you tagged out during deer season let's hear that story because that was all in one day wasn't it yes it was uh i've been chasing an eight and a nine that i had out here on film um the boy had a bunch of uh surgery scheduled and then we were going on vacation so we kind of made him go to school on opening day which is you know a little well, iffy and- so i and last I said I'm a blind myself. Last year, and, your son won the the youth hunt tournament, the contest yes. Overdrive put on. Yep, with a nice, beautiful seven point. And you wouldn't let him go on opening day. No, he couldn't. <laughs> he had, like I said, we had family vacation where he was going to miss a lot of school. So, yeah. yeah. But no, I was opening day of gun season. Um, had some opportunities during bow, but just couldn't connect with them. Um, it was probably about eleven o'clock. Eight point, nice eight point comes out and i'm like i think that's him he sat there for a while and i was able to read him really good it's like yeah that's the one and put the 450 on him and dropped him right there can i I got out of 
What's that? Because I know your property. Where? What part of your property were you in? I was in my hunting blind. I don't know if you ever seen that hunting blind from the road. You know that smaller plot? field? By the food plot, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, dropped him, got out, called the wife, making all kinds of noise and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back. Because when I usually hunt there, I usually drive around to the back of the property and park like where you do. Yep. Um, just to be less intrusive on the property. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to my truck, drive around, go back up, get side by side, and come up, blow and up. As I'm walking out of that little trail that's between the woods, the food plot, and the field that you usually hunt in, um, there's another eight-point stand right by the pond. <laughs> well, I'm like, well, what the heck? I <laughs> dropped him, too. <laughs> so I had two to shoot him twice. Points. Two big eight points on opening day. Yep, within probably about 10 minutes of each other. And did you see any rutting activity? Actually, no. Um, all this year? No. Really? Yep, I did not. But like I said, I was limited. I spent two weeks out in Colorado elk hunting, so I missed the you know two weeks of October. Um, and then when I come back, um, I can't remember what else happened. I was I did not get out a lot during the rut, and it really irritated me. Hey, just call me, Ron. Just call. Yeah, me. Let yeah. Me know what's you, up. You there. and everybody else that I know, <laughs> I hear the same thing. And uh, yeah, so I was excited to get out during gun season and. Well, opening day, I tagged out, and then obviously I let the boy go out a few times. And then uh, he had basketball commitments and stuff, so he was pretty much done for the year. And that's when I texted you and said, hey, you're welcome to come back out, Kyle. Hunting. He didn't get any opportunities? No, no. And he, honestly, this year, he wasn't really into it. Okay. And I'm not going to force it on him. Like, I took both my older daughters. They're 23 and 26. And uh, or 22 and 26, they're older, and uh, they both out went out when they were younger and they both took a deer, okay. But it's like, okay, we did that, been there, and it just wasn't their thing. So, I, you know, it's my thing, I'm glad they did it, I appreciate they put the effort in, but I'm not gonna force it upon them. They did it, and it wasn't their thing. So, that I, that's with two daughters, you said, yes. Ron, how in the world do I do it? Because my daughter said she wants to kill one this year. Oh, letter. I mean, how? I, last time we sat in a blind, <laughs> she was about oh, yeah. back in the truck. <laughs> uh, yep. But you're going to have those days. I, I got to learn yeah. more patience. Oh, dude. It, it, yeah, you do. Because it, it, it can drive you batty. Yeah, I mean, when we went out for the youth hunt, she came out um, the morning before Owen shot his first deer this year. She was out, and there was a deer right there. We were watching it, and oh, my God, I don't know how that deer didn't hear every noise going yeah. on in that blind. And every one of these, <sighs> what time yeah. are we leaving? <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm like, I'm biggest... like, you know, if you want to go out this year, we can go. I will, I will go spend time behind the gun with you or whatever you want. If you want crossbow or gun, it's a, but it's not going to happen in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And you can, but you think back when you were that age, we were the oh, same I way. I could just, you know, it's like we were talking about something about getting our butts whooped at work the other day. And it's like, you know, I look back and I really think I should have got twice as many whoopings as I got. I if think I, the same. I think the so, same. Yeah. Every time my mom is around my oldest, she's like, he's just like you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I am in yeah. trouble here. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm going to take her out. The boys, my boys actually have to legally now go through Hunter Safety before they can get this year's yep. licenses. Yeah, um, so did Jameson. He did that this summer. Did you go online? No, we went to uh, uh, Door. Okay. Or was it Door Sportsman's Club or whatever it is over there? They had a, a, a Saturday program. Okay, I got to look into it because I know my niece, um, Clint, with Sandy the Tracker, his daughter needs to get into it, and we figured we'd get them all in at the same time. But we were looking yep. and we're like, well, you can do it online, but either way, you got to find a field you day. You still got to take the field day. Yep. Right. And that was the biggest problem for a while was getting a field day. Yep. Did Jameson Absolutely. Do his? What's that? Did Jameson do his? Uh, well, it was all part of that. Oh, okay. That program at the sportsman's club and i don't think they charged anything we okay. made a donation you know they asked you know for a donation but um physically i don't think they charge anything okay yeah i'll have to look into it because both the boys i mean after march 31st when our tags expire they yep. can't buy any more until they go through it um now my only concern there is my son is 10 oh my middle son is 10 my oldest is 12 and i don't know I just feel like uh, I don't really remember all the questions that we were asked. I remember a lot of them, and there's some stuff like muzzle loading. My kids don't know hardly anything about muzzle loading because we haven't done it. I mean, I used to, but they haven't. So there's going to be a lot of learning involved. Well, one of the things, Jameson, when he he was nervous about it, the same thing because he, you know, he he's actually a really good shot and he's really good with gun safety and all that, but he didn't know how that was gonna apply to the hunting side of it and and so forth so when he got in the truck after the first because i think it was two saturdays or something like that um he said the instructor said that they've never failed a student okay so they work with you i mean it's it's not about being i think right or wrong with the answers i think it's more about understanding if you did get something wrong what the proper procedure for or what the the proper answer for that is and and why that answer is that way yeah. So I think I think it's more about educating the kids versus, you know, mandating that you get all this right and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I got gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, it's he was a lot more confident after he heard that. And he did really well. Good, good. Well, Ron, you got any big plans for 2023 seasons? Any uh, any big game trips, any trips you're looking forward to or just deer hunting? Deer hunting this year um, did not have any luck in Colorado elk hunting, so okay. we're going to do another trip in 2024. Um, but, yeah, turkey this spring. Yeah. A ton of the turkey out here. <laughs> you know what? You're just going to come out here. I'll, I'll, I'll get your turkey. <laughs> I, everybody keeps telling me, man, once you get one big strutter coming across the field, oh, his butt off, you're going to love it. And I'm like, yep. I haven't loved it yet. <laughs> Oh man, no, it's it's a dick. I just there's something about hearing those things gobble that loud in the woods. See, and a lot of times during the spring when we'll go out coyote hunting at night, you hit a hollow in them whole woods. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> they do not like that. That's no. reactionary calls. Do you think that affects them? I mean, honestly, do you think let's say I go out there at midnight and they gobble up in their roost tree, you think that's where they're gonna be in the morning or do they move? No, they will not move. They will stay in that roost. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't. I think because what they call that is shot gobbling. Yep. So you're, you know, just like how you use an owl call or a, or a crow call as a locator, you're getting, you're trying to get a response out of them. You're not necessarily trying to call them in. You're, you're trying to get a response so you can locate where they are 
so you can move in and then start calling them in. So that's basically what your coyote calls are doing. It's just, it's just a, it's a involuntary reaction, basically. Have you done pretty good? But they'll be there. They ain't getting down. Yeah. Have you done pretty good out back? Yeah, I'll hear you. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I and I, I pretty much buy a tag every fall because it runs through bow season. Yep. And it's like they're everywhere. Well, and there's a difference in the fall, too. Can't you shoot a hen? Yep, you can shoot anything in the fall. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to – we'll talk about it another time. I know yep. Carter, Carter wants to shoot one way more than I do. I honestly don't like turkey all that much. I don't ever buy turkey. I just don't like turkey that you're, much. But if Carter wants, here's my wife. Yeah, I, it's just not something I care for. I like chicken. <laughs> That's just a big chicken. Uh, not the same though. <laughs> I just don't care for them. I mean, I I don't know. I've tried smoking a bunch of them for Chris or for uh, Thanksgiving and stuff, and they just no matter what I do, they always seem to turn out dry, and I just never really cared. For yeah, them. Uh, you, yeah, that can be a problem with them. Well, we'll deal with it at another date. But at what point did you get into doing hydrographics? It was actually just this past year. Okay. Um, uh, I had a guy at work that was dipping racks, you know, like European mounts. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And I just started, you know, bored one night Googling it. And it's like, wow, I want to I want to do some of this on my truck. So I ordered a couple kits and then it just dude it snowballed from there it's like it became an obsession <laughs> and, and i've been doing so much of it um for what the last six eight months i still haven't done my truck yet you gonna do your whole truck just drive it through it or something yeah no i was just <laughs> gonna do like the vent covers and stuff and the carbon okay. fiber so yeah i've been looking on your website and you just did what a glock yep i did that was my glock um did it in like a joker pattern. Okay. And dude, I don't know if you went to that liquid concept oh, yeah. where I get a lot of the film. It's if you can imagine it, it's it's pretty much available. Yeah, there uh I looked through the the catalog with my boys because we're gonna bring okay. a couple of them over to you. And like the first two pictures, they're like, Yeah, that one, yeah, that one. And I'm like, yeah. guys, there's like a thousand of them we can go through. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's endless. Yeah, so I've got, uh, I've probably got a shotgun. I've probably got possibly three ARs that are going to need to be done. Yeah. <laughs> but what we need to know first is what kind of preparation do you need somebody to bring you something in in order to dip it? Well, for guns, um, I require that you only bring or send me the parts that you want dipped. Okay. Um, so I do not disassemble or assemble anything, and that's just um, standard liability things. Okay. You know, if I disassemble it and then put it back together and it blows up in your face, you know, bye-bye everything I own. So basically um, what you're saying is you are not a gunsmith nor a gun no. builder. So no, I do my own you, stuff, but. Yeah, send it yeah. to you disassembled how you want it. Yep, the pieces okay. you want dipped. Okay. Yep. And then it's, you got to kind of think of it like auto body. So you have to um, either scuff or blast or somehow get that surface ready. You have to degrease it, clean it, um, and then you apply a base coat. Um, and there's certain paints specifically for hydrographic printing that have what they call an open window where they'll accept that film. So like the paints I use will stay open for um, 14 days. So after I paint it, I still have 14 days um, before I really have to dip it, before it won't accept that dip anymore. Wow. So um, it's kind of time-consuming. 
Yeah, I mean, it is. it's like I said, it's almost like auto body. You got to you got to do your preparation, your cleaning, your, you know, fixing any scratches or anything like that. And then the dipping portion is just like painting the car. You know, it's it's technical, but yet it's kind of the fun part. I, um, I've, I've watched quite a few videos on people doing that. And what I always wonder is they always have their fingers like holding somewhere, you know, well, for, yeah, for where you, you don't want the film. Is that so like, yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. I assume if people hold something and dip it in wherever they're holding, it's not going to get that dip. Correct. Yep. So Absolutely. how, okay. Let's say you take a scope that's round. Yep. How do you dip that whole thing? I mean, without smudging up the glass, you tape over the glass and put your fingers in there or do you just yep. rotate it you and tape. it sticks? You either tape, you tape up. You can make actually like little holding fixtures with the tape. Cause like you said, you're not, you're not really putting any stress on it. You're just basically rolling it nice and easy. So you will cover that glass. Cause obviously you don't want any uh, dip on that glass. So yep. you'll basically make two little balls on the end, plug up the glass and then, and use that to roll it. So what do you do if it's something that you want completely dipped? I mean, every part of it, where, how do you hold it or do, don't you? Well, I haven't ran into that yet. So, well, you know what I'm we saying, though. Out. If you want, well, like, you let's can't say do it in, want... in two parts. Okay. So, so something like that would probably be done in two dips. Okay. So, so you dip one half, clean it all up, dry it, mask that half off, and then hold that half to dip the second half. I so see. you can't dip a complete project. Yes. I see. I see. And what is the uh, like expected durability or lifespan of something like that? Well. It's covered at the end because if you just leave the film itself, it's unprotected. It doesn't really have durability. So you're always putting a clear coat over the top of that to seal it and protect it. Um, so it's your same K2 automotive type clear coat. Okay. Um, either in like a flat, a matte, or semi-gloss in a gloss. Um, they do make a what they call high-impact gloss, and that stuff is, is darn near bulletproof. Um, but a lot of the guns that I do, people don't want high gloss on them. Okay. So hopefully they come out with that in flat here pretty soon. I mean, after dark, it wouldn't really matter. No, no. <laughs> but you got to think, like the, the standard K2 clear coat is about $75 a gallon. That high impact clear coat is $320 a gallon. So, yeah, but it's... I could take something and throw it across the room and it's not even going to scratch it. <laughs> That's good. I might need that sometime. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bullet. It, I, they say it's pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. I've, I mean, I've, like I said, I've watched a lot of uh, videos and there used to be one where a guy, I think he took antlers and he basically just sprayed a whole bunch of spray paint in a water yep. tank and then, yep. and that's in. people still do that. And my dad tried that, and I didn't think it turned out looking all that great. Oh, yeah. You know, there's oh. still a lot of people that do that to get that kind of, like, tie-dye look or what they call swirl look. Um, and that's almost like the same thing, except what this is is you're printing a pattern of ink on a, on a PVA film, which is polyvinyl alcohol. Now, that polyvinyl alcohol is the same material that's used for, like, your Tide Pods. So it dissolves in the water. Yeah. So when you put that on the water, the ink is absorbing that water. You spray your activator on it, and it basically dissolves that pine, that polyvinyl alcohol, that PVA. 
And okay. so what you have is just your film that's left on top of the water. And then, so once it is, uh, once you've dipped it and if you, whether you have or have not, um, uh, clear coated it, is there any kind of cleaning needs to be done? Can you clean that stuff? I mean, just wipe it down with water or anything without having any kind of worry about it running or anything? Well, when, when you dip it and you pull it out, it's going to, it's going to kind of feel like a slimy catfish. Okay. It's going to have that, that dissolved PVA on there. So we actually put it in a rinse tank, um, just like a bunch of shower heads that spray on it for about 10 minutes to get that, right that polyvinyl, that PVA material off it. Um, and then you just let it dry. And once it's dry, you clear coat it. So you do that while it's wet, you spray it down? Yes. Yep. You'll take it right out of the tank and you put it right in the rinse tank. So and it washes that PVA or that slime off it. How in the world does the, the print stick that quickly? The, it's the reaction between that printed ink and then the paint on the part. So it, it's almost like an instantaneous bond. I mean, I could actually touch it with my hand when we're done. The second it comes out, okay. it's, it's bonded to that. It's still not durable. I, I mean, I could rub it enough to where it's going to come off um, without, the, without the clear coat on it, of course. Um, but it's, it's, it's fairly, it's stuck. Let's put it that way. Okay. And what what do you think the time frame is from let's say start to finish? You get the gun or you get whatever somebody wants done. How long are people looking without their item? I usually just say two weeks. Okay. Um, because typically what I'll do is like, um, again, this is a hobby. Um, so like on Monday nights, I'll is my prep night. So anything I get from the previous week or the weekend, Monday they get prepped. Tuesday, um, they get dipped. Um. Wednesday, I got church with the kids, so I kind of got up. So then Thursday is usually um, any touch-up work. Like if you get any air bubbles or anything like that, it'll leave a little hole. So you got to do a little bit of touch-up work. It's um, Most of it's, you know, you'll never see it in a million years. Um, and then Friday usually is when I clear coat it. So if you drop something to me off on a, like a Tuesday, it's probably, probably not going to get done until the following Friday okay. because I'll wait until my prep day to prep it. Just because it, it, it's, it keeps it more consistent and I have a more – um, stable process through the whole thing. Okay. Now I've seen people dip magazines for like an AR 15. Yep. If it can get wet, you can dip it. Will it rub off something like that going in and out of a gun? Yes, it will. Okay. So what I do with like my magazines is I tape them off. Um, probably about a, where they're going to go into the receiver about a quarter of an inch, half an inch. Okay. Um, and then anything above that, I just tape off because okay. like once it's in the gun, you're not going to see it. Some people still like doing the whole thing. Um, but I don't see a point in that. I mean, if you want the whole thing done, I will do the whole thing. Um, but typically I like masking off just for that reason. So when you're slamming it in and out of your, your, uh, receiver there, um, you're not rubbing off that paint and then gumming up your gun and all your functions inside the gun with that. Okay. With yeah. Anything that, that rubs off. That's one of the things I was wondering was if it'll wear and kind of break down on moving parts or if it can be used on moving parts also. Yeah. It just depends on certain functions. Like, you know, like moving parts, like a wheel. I mean, that doesn't really rub or have any friction against anything. So that's not a big deal, but like your bolt or yep. we usually don't do um, um, your slides or anything like that just because it will wear off. Okay. Just like if you were to paint it. Okay. So you got to think like like a car body. If you were to rub your hand up back and forth on your car body, it's the same. It's the same clear coat that's on um, any of these parts. 
Okay. So that if you have it'll rub off on your car body, it'll rub off on the gun. Okay. All right. What is your pricing for doing this, or does that de- depend on what somebody wants done? Oh, it, it, there's a lot of variables. Um, like a basic AR, which is usually your upper receiver, your uh, butt stock, your lower receiver, and your forearm is about 350 bucks. Okay. Um, and then that's prep, print, clear. Um, if you, there are some nice, I don't know if you've ever searched some of those where they candy coat them. Uh-uh. Um, do that. That's okay. Those are some pretty guns. But then that's like an extra, I charge like an extra 25% for candy um, because that's another application. So after you dip it, you spray a light candy coat, which is kind of like a clear tinted clear coat, I should say. Okay. So then you paint that on there. Then you put clear over top of it. And it just, yeah, it, it's pretty. See, the hard but, thing is for as many times, I mean, I've gotten a couple deer mounted and that took me a long time just to find a mount that I liked. It's going to yep. take me forever to figure out which film I want. <laughs> and and the thing you got to remember too is um, one thing with guns is if it's a big pattern, it's not going to look that great on a gun because it's going to be spread over a smaller surface. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? So like if it's, it's a big, like a big face type pattern, well, by the time that goes around the, the forearm or something, you're not going to see the entire face because that pattern is so big that it, it, you know, it wraps around before it actually gets the whole pattern on there. So do um, they do so a lot of, do they do a lot of patterns in big and small? I mean, like the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, whatever you can think. Okay. Okay. So like a I mean, checkboard would look good on a gun, but not a giant clown face. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah. That makes sense. It's smaller. Yep. Or like where your, all your camouflages look pretty good because it, it's, well, it's camouflage, so yeah, it's like you really don't care if it, a tree branch ends here or you know a leaf ends here. You don't care. Yeah. You know you, you're going to see enough of that pattern that it it um, it reflects what you're trying to go after. I think I don't know you you actually shared the the uh, nine millimeter carbine I did. So yes, I mean you got a good perception of it there. It's it, it looks good, but you got to remember that certain films might not look so good on a gun. It might look great on a on your sheet or whatever, but it's not going to have the same effect on your gun or, or whatever you, you want done. And, and if it's something like that, I'll speak up and say, Hey, just so you know, this might not look quite what you want it to look like on that surface. Okay. So, yeah. But, yeah. And, um, I've been, I've been looking at a bunch of the, the options, but I'll have to get with you soon. Cause like I said, I got a couple things I want done. Is, is there a reason that you chose to do hydro dipping over, like Duracoat, Cerakote, anything like that? No, I just think with like Duracoat and Cerakote, you're, you're kind of limited a little bit in options. Um, and that was kind of a different field. Um, so like I said, the reason I kind of got into this and deep dive is because I wanted to carbon fiber a lot of my interior trim, like around my vents and stuff in my truck. And uh, that option, I mean, there's, I don't know if you've been on the website, there's probably 60 70 different just carbon fiber patterns yeah. you can choose from um so I, I just wanted that ability because it's like the, the funny thing is, is that the hydro dipping kind of took off because of the sporting industry so like all of your atvs all of your bows that you see all those guns those are all hydro dipped um items when did this process first come around do you know 
it was in, I would say the late nineties, the early two thousands, but it was in the later two thousands, like 2005, 2008, when the sporting industry really started to, to hydro dip everything like, you know, your four wheelers and, you know, your motorcycles and your bows and all that. And it just, it, it just took off to the stratosphere from there. Yeah. Water just pretty much will run right off of there. Right. Yep. So you don't, yep. really and like I said, once, once that film dissolves, it's like whatever shape or form you put in there, whatever that, however that water flows is how that pattern is going to lay on there. It's a pretty wicked looking process when you watch people do it in like slow motion and it just sucks too. Oh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I got hooked. And just, <laughs> yeah. Seeing that first product come out. Oh, well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> come on. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well there there is an art to because when you spray your activator on it's it's basically a i don't know some witchcraft made of liberal tears and i don't know goat urine or something but um if you put too little on there that that it won't activate properly and then your your film won't stick to it properly and it'll get like little holes everywhere okay or on the opposite end if you over activate it it'll basically just about run right off with the water when you take it out. And then it won't harden so, at all? It won't, you, though the film will run pretty much right off the part. So you, you learn to read the film. Okay. So you can kind of tell it's, it's supposed to basically, when you activate it, it should look like it's just water, okay. colored water. And then it's good to go. And obviously so, you're not going to just be doing guns for people. Oh, no, no. You're no, wild. I do a lot of like cups. Tumblers are a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those are like 30 bucks. Like people are like, oh, I want this for 30 bucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can put those... any pattern you want. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, well, what is your business name again? And where can everybody get more information for it? Um, It's Simply Dipped Hydrographic. Um, the website is uh, www.simplydippedhydrographic.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. Simply Dipped Hydrographic, and then on Instagram with Simply Dipped Hydrographic. Awesome. So everybody my number and everything's on the Facebook page. And Thank you, yep. Ron, so much for uh, taking the time and talking with us. And you said, again, your Facebook, everything, website is all Simply Dipped Hydrographic. That is correct. Just give me a holler. I'm willing to help and answer any questions anybody has. Sounds good. So anybody who wants anything hydro-dipped, uh, he's going to probably soon... Well, at some point, do a couple guns for me. So I'll be the test dummy. I don't care. <laughs> well, you got something right there, the dummy. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I did get that part right. But no, I'm going to have you do a couple things here. I got to figure out what patterns I want on everything. Good luck with that. That's That is probably the most difficult part of the process. Can you just do a part of each pattern? I can do some test patterns if you want, yes. <laughs> no, I mean just if, one of everything so I don't have to guess. Oh. It's like a blend of everything on your gun. I mean, we can see how it turns out. That's going to cost more than my gun. Probably will, yes. All right, Ron. Well, thank you very much once again for taking the time. If anybody wants anything done, look them up. Simply Dip Hydrographic. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Ron, I appreciate you letting me hunt and spending time on your property. It's a beautiful place, and I will definitely be back. Everybody You're else. welcome back. I, I appreciate that very much. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you all next week on the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. <laughs> <laughs>